Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. The things that we're doing. But here's the deal: changing anything introduces unpredictability and uncertainty, and that's not a happy thing. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, the psychology of reinvention from a views and brews recorded live at the Cactus Cafe in Austin, Texas. Why talk about the psychology of reinvention? What does it, what does it entail? One of the things to, to get started is, is to think about the fact that, that all of us walk around with some set of beliefs about who we are. And, and those beliefs form what is typically called a, a self-concept. And, and there's lots of different dimensions of it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with one, and then we can, we can pile on a few others and then, and then think about how you might change them. But one of the interesting dimensions of, of people's self-concept is, is the degree to which you think of yourself relatively independently of other people or interdependently with other people. And so if, if we were to ask you to describe yourself, just, just come up with say 20 different descriptors of yourself. And if you look at the kinds of things that people write, some of the things that people write are descriptions of themselves that don't require thinking about other people in order to understand that. So if somebody said, I'm smart or I'm, uh, I'm tall or something like that, that's really describing some characteristic of who you are. As opposed to someone who says, well, I'm a parent or a teacher. Uh, and, and when you say something like that, if you're a teacher, it assumes the presence of a student, the existence of some student. And if you're a parent, it assumes the existence of a child. And so one of the aspects of your self-concept that, that I think influences who you think you are and can be a dimension for this kind of reinvention is, is the degree to which you think of yourself in relatively independent or interdependent terms. Because one of the things that can happen to people over the course of their lives is that they can start out, for example, very independent in the way they think of themselves and gradually reinvent themselves in a way that makes them much more interdependent with the people around them. You know, it's interesting because all of us who spend our lives interact with human beings, which I assume is just about everybody, knows that our behavior varies depending on the context in which we find ourselves. And I think one of the reasons that Rebecca astutely decided this would be a good time of year to do a thing on reinvention is, is that at the beginning of, of new opportunities to meet new people who haven't yet formed impressions about you, there is an opportunity to create impressions that match your aspirations for who you are. And I, I want to emphasize, I'm not talking about doing something that's deceptive or anything like that, right? I mean, all of us, I think, have aspirations that are greater than the reality of who we actually are. I think I saw some bumper sticker that, 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 that said, Lord, please help me to be the person my dog thinks I am, So, I, which I think is a, is, a, is a nice thing, you know? But I think for, for all of us, we would like to be a certain way, and we would like to be perceived by a certain way. And I think the opportunity to be in a new circumstance and meeting new people, all of our students who have now arrived on campus, many of whom are here for the first time, have an opportunity to say, well, this is who I am to the people whom I meet. And I think a lot of what we have as opportunities as human beings is to surround ourselves with people and put ourselves in circumstances that make it 
easier for us to be the kind of people that we aspire to be. Yeah. And there's this, you know, there's also this element of reinvention, which is a shedding. And so I want to talk about that, the process of grief and letting go and moving forward. Yeah. So we've, we've talked a little bit about the concept of, of grief. And what's interesting is, is when you juxtapose grief and this idea of reinvention, is that both of them are situations in which you are going to try to make some kind of tear in the fabric of your life. Now, in the case of, of many grief situations, that happens without, your, uh, with, without you being able to control it. In the case of reinvention, you do have more control over it. But in each case, you are trying to break your life's narrative in a, in a particular moment and make that life's narrative different. In one case, life does that. In the other case, you're trying to do this yourself. And it, it turns out the narratives that you have about yourself are useful for you to, to feel like you understand who you are and what your role is in a circumstance. And, and so one of the things that people who grieve are doing is telling stories to help them to make sense of the situation that they find themselves in. And what's interesting is people who are at the cusp of reinvention do the same thing. They are telling stories, sometimes to themselves, sometimes to the people around them, in which they are trying to create a story that makes coherent why it is that they want to be a different person later than, than they are right now. Giving yourself that opportunity to tell those stories over and over again, whether you're doing it to other people or to yourself, is, is an extraordinarily important part of this. And to recognize that throughout that process, you are going to experience a, a full range of emotions because change is scary. And, and just one last piece of this, you can see this even in descriptions of, of change that you think people ought to want to make. So for example, there's a whole theory in psychology called the stages of change model that was applied first to things like quitting smoking. And you'd think at some level, well, you know, people ought to want to quit smoking. But in fact, there's a whole period of time where someone has a self-concept of being a smoker. They have no intention of quitting smoking. They're not even the least bit interested in it. And, and if you said to them at that point and gave them all the tools they needed to quit smoking, no way it's going to happen. And then there's another stage where they're thinking, maybe I might kind of sort of potentially someday off into the future quit smoking. And even then, if you give them all the tools to quit smoking, they're not going to do it. And it's only at the point where they, they, they actually are able to internalize, yes, I'm ready to be not a smoker, that, that those tools have any prayer of, of having an influence. And in some ways, that middle process there is that grieving process that, that allows you to make that change in self-concept that then makes the various tools for changing behavior effective. Next week, we'll talk about the psychology of gaslighting with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford are our engineers. I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.